Hello, and welcome to episode 47 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I am joined by Jason Pearson, or JP, founder of Analysis on Chain. Welcome, JP. How are you today? I'm really good. Yeah, it's um, it's evening here. It's dark outside, but I'm really happy to be here and uh, having a chat. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Uh, so yeah, so I wanted to bring you on today because I want to talk about analysis on chain. Um, I found your work when uh, when your community went through and looked at Coinos. And um, I think it's really interesting the way you approach looking at projects. And uh, I think it's a little bit unique in the space compared to a lot of the other, <laughs> for more or less, uh, you know, marketing type angles where people just shill tokens. And there's a little bit of analysis. But, but yeah, what you're doing seems really fundamental. So Talk to me. What is analysis on chain? What's your vision for this thing? Yeah, I want to help people make better decisions. And uh, it comes, I have a soft spot outside of uh, Web3 and also, you know, outside of my in real life work as well. Um, and I've helped communities for quite some years, actually. And then I fell in love with blockchain, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think that naturally sort of transitioned into blockchain. And I guess when I started, analysis on chain, I really wanted to provide people with a safe space to talk and objective research about a project. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not to say that we we can cover absolutely everything because we're not experts at auditing code and we're not experts at like KYC or we don't have the authority of the police to check people's criminal records. And although you right. can see that sometimes, right? But um, we we have a pretty good grasp on how to look under the hood of a project and what we do with that is we share that with our members and we give different perspectives on why a red flag might be good and why it also might be bad now sure. on the back end of that right what the what the members will do is they they can validate our findings themselves and they can take a look at what we found but at the same time, they'll be thinking in their head, right, what's appropriate for my risk tolerances and, and also my portfolio as well. Mm. So we educate folks, but we also provide investigation services in the event that somebody rug pulls as well, actually. And that's um, that's really starting to kick off now. Um, yeah, we, it's, so I guess it's kind of like a wraparound type service. We're trying to educate people before they go into a project, but yeah. They get rug pulled for whatever reason. We we've got some pretty neat uh, techniques and networks and connections and things that we can get some really good stuff done on on that end as well. But yeah, it's a it's a community, predominantly research, predominantly analysis, and we like to do things from a black and white perspective. There's too many, in my opinion. No, maybe maybe that's not fair. There are a lot of YouTube videos out there which the YouTubers will be paid by the project to promote their services. There's right. enough of that out there, in my opinion. So what we try to do is say, right, that's there, that's information about the project. Let's look underneath that. And we take zero funds from any project to do any marketing or, or anything like that. The only thing that we would charge for is like a, a vetting service, which is, again, it's just our end-to-end -end full project spectrum for uh, analysis really so yeah in a nutshell that's what it is very cool um a lot of good stuff there i think it's really interesting that you have both this you know, proactive 
analysis community, and then also uh, the reactive. You know, when things are when things go sour, um, I, I'm really curious to dig into that more. Like, what is your your process for for research and investigation there, and what's really the the goal after the fact? What are you trying to accomplish for uh, for the people who lost out? Uh, I can talk about a recent case. Sure. I um, was hired by um, uh, a client, okay, who had lost two hundred and seven thousand dollars of mm -hmm. Bitcoin. It was done through a fake trading platform on a website. I won't go into some of the details, um, sure. but essentially. The process is this. First, we need to understand what's happened. So that victim was able to share with us things like WhatsApp messages, uh, website addresses, Bitcoin addresses, and things like that. Um, then, because from, from the victim's perspective, this is one individual. Sure. What they did is they sent Bitcoin to two different wallets, but they've no idea what happened to it after that. Okay. Mm. So that's where we start uh, in this particular example and for bitcoin breadcrumbs.app is a is a great resource for it um we've got a, a you know i pay for a subscription for that but it's a really good tool mm. it's not perfect but it it's really good so then we have to go through painstaking hours of an uh, I'm like a dog with a bone when it comes to this stuff i i think it comes back to that community sort of yeah uh, uh, soft spot that I, I have and I remember the first Friday night that I was investigating I didn't sleep at all but anyway that's beside the point so sure. we we follow all of the transactions right whichever direction they go and I'll share with you actually a link um, I'll pull it up in just a second and I can I can share with you the extent of some of that investigation um, but eventually we found out that the stolen funds went to another wallet, which in total held about $12 million. Mm -hmm. And so when you start getting to those numbers, the authorities want to know about it, right? Yeah. Um, now, even the $207,000 the victim was here in the UK, um, the authorities want to know about that as, as well. So <clears throat> what we was able to do is literally all of the funds, even though they went in multiple different directions, they all ended up back in the same wallet, right? Mm -hmm. So once you have that type of information, you can then follow the transactions out to wherever it goes. And in this case, it went out on Kraken. Okay. For me, these these scammers didn't seem like professionals. They, they, they use Kraken. It's a centralized exchange uh, where for that amount of money, you're going to need KYC, right? right. So um, we followed all of that back to Kraken at, and actually a couple of other different exchanges as well. But even like I was saying, where the money goes out in you know many different directions, along that journey, you can see little uh, element, uh, sorry, small smaller transactions heading out to centralized exchanges on the way. Sure. So what you're doing is you're gathering all of the information about um, each of those centralized exchanges and the transactions and the wallets that are involved, right? So who is that person? Who is that person? Who is that person? And I think in total, we had about 15 different wallets and transactions going out to centralized exchanges. Bearing in mind, it all comes back to the same place as well. Um, and, you know, you can hand that over. The victim was also, I think, 
pretty lucky to obtain bank details as well. That always helped. But mm. from a blockchain perspective, we was able to just follow the, all, all of that money back into these centralized exchanges. And the report was 22 pages long. Um, it had all of the details of every single transaction, uh, done a summary video for it, the FBI, the NCA, the um, NCA is like the UK's version of the FBI, sure. the Financial Conduct Authority here in the UK, and the Serious Fraud, <laughs> SFO, Serious Fraud, I can't remember what the O stands for, but they're all looking into this project now. So the end goal is obviously to try and provide a package of documentation to the victim who can now say with clarity, this was stolen from me, this is where it went to. Um, authorities, I need your help now to dig a little bit deeper in terms of who are the people behind these exchanges who stole my money. And then, you know, standard sort of police investigations from that point on. But it, it's kind of like that the kickstart needed to get the engine going, I think, from an authority's perspective, because it's very hard to do, especially in the crypto, in the Web3 space right now. Uh, right. especially if it doesn't hit certain thresholds for value and things like that so um yeah there's that i mean we can also through the network there's many <clears throat> there's, there's many things that we can do we've got a bunch of white hats uh that we're really well connected to as well you we can get things shut down and um prevent further loss for uh, individuals if if need be you can't always but you know it's nice right. to have the option um, but yeah, <clears throat> the investigation side of thing, I, I think just gives a little bit of light in a moment that's really dark for people. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's interesting that they're just sending it off to centralized exchanges. That's yeah. not a good, <laughs> bad scammers. Um, yeah, it seems like most... In that case, I think. I think we got lucky, but... Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Seems like most of the time um, they're using a mixer or a Monero or something like that to... Change now or OKX, which doesn't require KYC. Or... Right, right. But even then, you know, even if these, if there's significant volumes going out to some place, even if it go to that exchange, you've got to off ramp somewhere. Right. So there are ways in which authorities can understand who these people are it, because that off ramp, they've, they've got to go to a bank somewhere uh, or for that amount of money. They've got, or, that that amount of money you're talking 12 million right it's got to be spent at some point right you know um so i can't talk about that too much because i'm not the authority i don't have the authority to look sure. past exchanges and things like that but the 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 key piece is that on-ramping and off-ramping uh, point i think so very cool um yeah it, that's interesting so so that's the the reactive side of of what you do, and that um, brings in some some revenue for you, which is great. Uh, talk talk to me more about the the proactive side, where you're looking into projects that your community is interested in, um, and uh, kind of weighing in on whether you think it's a scam or not. What sorts of red flags are you looking for, and how are you finding them? Yeah, I actually don't determine if a project's a scam or not because we sure. we don't we don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I have to try and remain objective throughout any sort of analysis. <clears throat> sometimes you sometimes you see things which gives you a really uneasy feeling, and I will 
share my opinion on those because sometimes there's extreme cases where it's like oh hold on you know but right. generally i i go in and i look at a project and and it's not just me i've, I've got a small team that helped me with this as well we we try to just answer a set of questions right and we score what we find pretty ob objectively and i'll show you an example of, of that um do you mind if i share my screen not at all, yeah. And for anybody listening, um, I'll put this one up on YouTube as well. So there will be a link to this in the uh, the podcast. Um, I'll put a, a short version that just has the, the clip of Jason sharing his screen and the long form on YouTube. Can, can you see my screen? Yes, I can. Okay, so the website, analysisonchain.co.uk. This is where uh, it all starts. This is kind of like our hub of information. And on our homepage, if you scroll down, you'll see um, you know, plenty of information. You've got um, me and the team. Um, it's only a small team. We've got another researcher who's sort of on trial with us at the moment, got a bit of a NFT collection. Um, but we've got our schedules um, available as well. Um, now, we've got an example of the template that we use so if anyone's listening to this you can head to analysisonchain.co.uk and you can look at an actual example that we used and actually we was able to predict on this particular project which was one on the binance smart chain called horde which was a um it was kind of like a node project and the the unique selling point was that the the market price was flat all the time at around hundred dollars and was able to analyze that in such a way that you know was able to predict when it was going to fail and it was within you know a, a week or two of that actually happening so we'll go through this in in just a second um but we, we've gone through you know a bunch of different um projects you know here in and there's a bunch more in the vip section as well and we typically do two educational sessions per week uh, looking at some of these projects and we look at everything from like nfts to um DeFi to blockchains web3 innovations like million for example that's kind of like a, an encryption service that's not strictly web3 but it can be applied in web3 so we we tend to look at all of that and i think the format that you can see here kind of helps for this as well by the way uh if i was to just skip through some of these pages here and go to page 14 of the report uh no not page 14 uh, just a little bit before that, actually, you can see that we were able to provide a score here, which is 44.24. This is extreme risk. And okay. the reason why this one was extreme risk is because you can see lots of ones, um, anonymous teams. Uh, there's no sort of information available about the teams at all. There was no liquidity locks. Uh, what else have we got? There's unverified contracts, there's proximity contracts happening which means the contracts can change into an attack contract at any time but it does give great flexibility for the you know the the developers um we don't there's no real way of confirming if there's any buy or sell tax maximums or anything like that so um even the token supply it might not have been fixed they say it yeah. was but because it's not verified you can't read into it and so worst case scenario is that they could just mint a load of tokens and dump the price. So right. through, we'll go through all this. I think we can use Coinos as an example in, in just a second. And I'll talk about some of these questions. But the example is here on the homepage. So feel free, anyone, to just go and have a look at this. Very now, cool. Um, if I go to uh, the VIP section, OK, some what our members can get um, 
information on is of the projects that we record in this this table that you can see right now is which is kind of like a a leaderboard for blockchains decentralized finance and nfts and then web3 projects um this is only available for our vip members but essentially from that score we're able to sort of predict where um where we feel a project should be and i just want to highlight something really important here is that we've got a color scheme and this amber color is heightened risk and then down here at the bottom you can see some reds which is extreme risk right yeah uh, anything below 70 percent is heightened risk but i just want to call out one detail this is really important here at the top we actually have coinos the blockchain 91 yeah. okay so that uh, and that's not for this podcast right now that is our objective analysis um, based on all the information that we had available to us that's the score that came through okay so that that's that we took no payment from the team or anything but that's <laughs> the score okay so i just want to be clear about that cool um, normal it says here in the description this is a normal risk asterisk okay but mm -hmm. we have a definition here that normal you may still lose all of your capital and that's because this is web3 this is crypto this is DeFi. this is nfts this is blockchains normal traditional businesses can fail in fact they do fail more than they succeed to the rate of about 70 60 to 70 percent i think and and all of that is exaggerated in this space so when i'm saying normal i'm comparing that to um other high risk projects that are higher in risk compared to even a traditional business let's say right so, um and yeah it it kind of just calls that out even more here um you know it is a very risky space that we're in um but i feel as though it's beneficial to be able to benchmark um some projects against one another just so you can get a rough feel and obviously the detail is in some of the reports now if i scroll down um our members have access to all of our latest videos all of our different assessments it's all here right and um, you'll see lots of percentages and and all of that and i've just pulled up the the coinos one which is over here and i've actually opened it up all, already so let's just go through if it's okay with you absolutely the couple of the key points that we do um talk about and by the way one disclaimer that we have is that obviously this is only as accurate as we see it at the time of research this was done back end uh, sorry the start of november 2022 uh, mm -hmm. 5th of november and i think we had our spaces if you remember we had the, the coinos spaces uh i think a little bit after that point as yeah. well some of that info is, is also fallen into here but um projects can change whether it's blockchain whether it's smart contracts or whatever it can change right Absolutely. um so I guess a couple of key points here for me is we've got an executive summary, but that's really just to give an overview. We're looking at, first thing we're looking at is the team and the repository. And the reason why we're looking at that is because we need, as, a, as somebody researching a project, and if you're a potential investor or a contributor, I personally think the team is one of the most important aspects to any project because let me tell you DeFi is not decentralized in fact most of the projects with the exception of a few handful of uh, with a handful of projects is actually very centralized sure um, so we go into detail about the team um we'll start off with the team we'll we'll look into all of the people on the team that we can find 
And even if you know team members say that they're doxxed or you know publicly visible and you can see their pretty faces on a on a website, we'll go into the detail of re, uh, reverse image searching. Uh, we've looked at graduation papers from universities just to check that they're actually qualified for you know what they've said they've qual they're qualified for. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got some <laughs> stories there, I can tell you. But yeah. you, you come across uh, from time to time. Actually, it's more regular than that. You come across uh, founders and and team members who clearly are very experienced and are experts in their field, right? And sure. that's okay. We're, we're happy with that, right? Um, unfortunately, because it's the space that we're in, we also see teams who say they are very experienced, but we've not seen any evidence of that. Now, mm. you have to say that we can't just because we can't find it doesn't necessarily mean it's not there right and this is kind of like the caveat that we always give a caveat to everything that we find and and the purpose of that is to get people to think about this themselves um but you also by doing that you also get to see like their career steps and how have they got to to where to where they are today and all these points i think for me are, are pretty important um to understand who you're dealing with sure and that's the team do you, do you have any questions on the team or anything like that? I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, I actually love that you're looking back even at their their college and their credentials and all that because, I mean, even people who are very skilled and you know clearly know what they're doing, um, I, I think we've seen in the space that there's very uh, high profile examples of people lying about their credentials to try to gain clout. And I mean, in my opinion, they didn't need to do that to like have the clout because clearly, um, I mean, the, the one that I'm thinking of is uh, Cardano with uh, um, Charles Hoskins. Yeah, Charles Hoskins, because Sorry. his his whole uh, <laughs> uh, persona is, I mean, I, I think that he's actually probably one of the smarter people in the space, but there's clear evidence of uh just a lack of ethicality and uh, you know some lies there that just you know if he just said the the truth or, or at least it didn't smell quite so bad there then um i'd be on board with the guy but um even though the the output that i can see from him and the projects he's been on uh the i i don't look at cardano as a serious project personally because of that uh just because he's so high profile for that particular project and i don't trust him as an individual so that's those kinds of things with the team give me pause yeah exactly and the next thing is we're looking at the repository now we know we never really used to look at this but i i feel this is important because you need to be able to distinguish if that team also is showing evidence of their skills with development as well um and as we know in this space projects can easily be cloned it's called forking you might have heard that before but um that kind of it's okay to fork because mm -hmm. some great work that's already happened you know you want to take it and make it a little bit better right sure. we recently looked at a project i won't give any names but we recently looked at a blockchain which was a complete fork of phantom blockchain which i actually like that blockchain i think it's pretty good from a technology perspective um 
but the the repository was showing zero so right here you can see development history number of commits uh, yeah. how much testing they've got lots of languages in there and you can see all that from from the the public github right and you can see 65 repositories you can see lots of different coding languages and yeah. then, you know you can go into this detail and, and see just how active uh, developers are and things like that and one thing about coinos is i was blown away with how much work has been done with less is it five people or something like that I can't five remember. people three of which are developers yeah, yeah. so I, I was really impressed with that and uh but that's really important to understand can the team deliver on what they're going to say that or what they they have said they're going to deliver on um is that evidenced by code and and commits and and checks and testing on the repository and the team uh do they have the you know the work history which we've already spoken about so we look at the repositories we're looking at the teams we we look at the coin a little bit you know in terms of some of the tokenomic well yeah we we do cover tokenomics but you know this is really just sort of passing comments with linked to gecko uh, coin gecko but nothing major really um then we start looking at some of the features but again i think that the likes of YouTubers do a great job here. They can give great overviews. They can give some great inputs in terms of features. So we don't really put too much effort into that. But what we do look at is um, our score report. And you can see this on the example on the website. But we, we, we just, we, we've got very clear questions on the left-hand side. Top one is, is this a registered business? Okay, um, five equals yes, no equals one, right? and. I find that obviously in DeFi, you, you find a lot of projects that are not businesses mm -hmm. um, that have anonymous team members or or whatever. And I'm thinking about accountability here. That's probably the, you know one of the main points here. Do, is this a registered business? Do they have accountability in the jurisdiction that they're in? Are they, are they registered? And um, Actually, for Coinos Group, I actually couldn't find any information. So you actually lost some points then, and maybe we can improve that. But I'm just yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, and that's not the point of this. But the no. for and that one, they were founded as um, I think it was Open Orchard, so they might have a, a DBA for that. But yeah. um, we could get to that information if you want. Anyway, we had to dock some points somewhere, so bear yeah. with me. On that. <laughs> that's why so because we're looking at a project uh, a blockchain in particular for a you know for coinos these questions like the, is is the blockchain a proxy contract it's not applicable right, right. Um, so we um you know we, we missed some of these but so i just want to go through some of these questions especially for like evm blockchains proxy contracts are great for flexibility they're also really bad from a an attack vector perspective so you really need to weigh that up as to whether you want to take a sort of a, a bet on on that a verified right. contract on evm territory is kind of like if it's verified it's human readable in, in a way if you if you're pretty good at reading contracts uh if it's not verified it's basically machine code which right. is one zeros and a few letters and it just doesn't make sense okay mm -hmm. then with languages like solidity in fact solidity is probably one of the worst languages that you can code in because it's it doesn't really have like it only does exactly what it asks you uh, that you ask it to do it's not really got any built-in safety features there mm. whereas compare it to like the solana language um they automatically have protection against underflow and overflow um attacks so for 
solidity contracts, we're asking this. And the reason why we ask whether it has safe math or not is because they are possible attack vectors. That's how contracts have been exploited, right? Mm -hmm. So if it has safe math.sol in there as a contract or the solidity version is greater than eight, uh, 0 0.8, great. We can tick it off and we can give it five points for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, these are probably more sort of, um, I would say that the, the fixed supply um, one initially was aimed at around contracts, but it is applicable here as well, right, in, in terms of coin-offs, because you have the 2% hard-coded inflation, right? So in, in this is a very simple question. Is it a fixed supply, yes or no? Right. Five or one is, is the outcome. Um, and the reason why we have that is inflation over time obviously dilutes the, the, the market price depending on uh, the amount of underlying assets that's associated with it and the, the, so the, a yeah. few different variables that go into that. Um, this is really important from a DeFi perspective because if, you're, if you've got a project which is, and I've seen them, 100,000% APY, that means that the, the supply is not fixed and so there's a significant risk of that price dropping rapidly right. um we're asking questions specifically in the contract now so does it have the ability to stop trading so can mm -hmm. the owners go into that contract and limit everybody from being able to buy sell or or, or what and we have seen this from time to time and i i mean i guess from a from a malicious perspective right it just means that people can't sell and it becomes a honeypot right mm -hmm. but i guess from an owner's perspective let's say a wallet gets compromised that controls a contract we they might need to hold, halt the trading assuming that they've got um different wallets accountable for different contracts and they might need to transfer something over so i get that there's maybe a requirement for it but you don't really see this one all that often and then things like taxes and again it's not obviously not applicable for coin offs but um buys sells claim taxes these taxes first thing we're checking is how much are they mm -hmm um how much is the buy tax how much is the sell tax how uh, what percentage is the claim tax but then we're also checking the code to see well what's the maximum of that because if the maximum tax for uh selling is 100 percent, it's only part right if you buy a bunch of tokens and that buy tax is 100 percent, it's only part basically yeah. just <laughs> just send money to somebody else right right so we do look at that more so in evm smart contracts and i would say just from a, a specialist perspective when we're talking about these contracts we are more specialized at looking at evm compatible um uh, smart contracts then we are looking and one of the things that i, I really try to do is look at the the whole breadth of the project so for the developers and the team members where did their money come in mm -hmm. did it from tornado cash or did it come from binance mm. or coinbase and you can see that on the blockchain so i think if it comes from tornado cash yes it might just mean that the people um want privacy okay sure. but at the same time we also know what happens on tornado cash where you know um bad actors can come they can try and protect their an anonymity but um 
you know, sometimes that doesn't always help them either. So um, I, I'm, I'm just conscious of time as well. I will have to yeah. stop on the hour, but it's, uh, let me go through some of these other ones as well, and then we can maybe summarize some of this. But we're, we're, we're looking at things like who owns the contract? Is it renounced? Is it managed by a multi-sig wallet? Um, does a dev have control over that contract still after launch? Is that the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? And I think this one is interesting because it opens up a bit of a debate. Um, mm. these, being fully decentralized is only good if you've been able to test it in all conditions, like you've gone through a full bear market, like a really bad bear market, and the contract still works and it still does what it says it, it's going to do. Then I think you can renounce it. But if you're in a, you know, a market that's all over the place, it's, it's really hard to understand if your product, which is just code, by the way, um, is that going to react in the way that you expected it to react in the market conditions that you're in? So that's why we asked them. Then we go into like liquidity. We're, we're looking about uh, at how, how um, what's the word I'm after? How spread out is the risk? So have they only got one liquidity pool? Um, you know, that might, that might again be okay. Maybe it's got a lock in place. Or, you know, we've recently looked at MIM, which is a stable coin on uh, Phantom and uh, Avalanche. Mm -hmm. That has like 100 LP pools. So the risk is really spread out. And, you know, to be able to drain all of them at once is going to be, I would say, nearly impossible. But, yeah. um, you know, the risk is really well sort of spread out. We're looking at the, all of the team members' wallets, right, where we've got them. And um, we're, we're looking if the devs, the owners are, are doxxed. Can we find any more social history besides LinkedIn? We, we spoke about the team uh, further up. Then, you know, this question, I think initially we didn't have it in there, but is this project a Ponzi by this definition, right? Yeah. And you can have yes, you can have no, you can have somewhere in between. But I think this is really important for people to know because some people just don't know. Mm -hmm. Then we're looking at things like socials and do projects have real organic growth for the project as well? Or is it a sudden influx of robots that go on to uh, Twitter and, and whatnot? Um, YouTube, whatever, Discord. I've literally seen projects where I went into a Discord and then three minutes later, 300 people joined or with the name, I don't know, zero one two three four five. Yeah, I've seen it. Right. And um, I, I just think all of these things, what we're really trying to do here is look at a whole project from start to finish with all of the tools that we've got at our disposal and provide really objective feedback about what they do and what they don't have. And um, yeah, in I guess in terms of tools real quick, there's a whole bunch of them out there. You know, you, right. you can just reach out and ask, but there's a whole bunch of tools out there that can make you or anybody even better at looking at the under the hood of a project to make better decisions. Very cool. Yeah, this is great analysis. Um, I hope the uh, people listening take the time to uh, jump on YouTube just to look at that. It was basically a, a, a PDF of your analysis for, for Coinos and then the one that's on your, your homepage. Um, I think, uh, so as far as tools go, for, if anybody's looking to learn more about how to get into doing this sort of analysis yourself, um, I'd recommend joining the uh, the analysis on chain Discord and um, ask questions. And you know, the the best way to be 
to, to learn is just be a sponge, you know, get out there where, where this analysis is happening. Um, so for somebody who has never done this before and they've just, you know, relied on YouTube and been rugged a few times and all that, what's really the best way to start uh, finding these issues? Um, is it just to lean on a community like analysis on chain or like how can they be safe on their own? It depends, uh, I guess, because you get people who are more technically minded. You get people who you know, can think through things fairly logically. Some people will look at a blockchain explorer and just go, what on earth is this, right? right. So um, there's lots of videos out there on YouTube about uh, some of these resources that are available. I really recommend first thing to do is start looking at some of these blockchain explorers, right? Mm -hmm. And just get used to how it's laid out right and by clicking on what where does that take you and what's it showing you so i would that's where i started is just say well what's this if i click this what's this showing me oh if i yeah. click this button that says holders what does that show me and then you get a list of the top 100 holders right and it's all important information um but i would start at blockchain explorers being the very basic place to start hmm. very cool um and then for your investigation you're you're doing all this analysis just you know looking at tools that are available do you do any like data collection into your own databases with you know algorithm blah 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 whatever type of data analytics or is this all just what you can find on um publicly available tools um right now publicly available tools we've recently um signed a contract with chain abuse so on the investigation side of things we input all of our data into chain abuse which is a uh, a great resource recommend go and check that out actually chainabuse.com mm. you can um every, people all sorts of investigators and um people have been rug pulled they're all well not all but a lot of people report incidents there so that means that you can get contracts flagged on um blockchain explorers you can get wallets flagged uh, and they notify lots of people as well. So um, that's kind of like the, on the investigation side, that's kind of like the database I use really. Very cool. Well, Jason, really appreciate your time today. I know we're, we're running out here, but uh, for anybody who's listening, where can they find you and join this, this great community you have going? The, the, I'd recommend the website or Twitter. So the website is analysisonchain.co.uk. Analysis on chain is all one word. Mm -hmm. No spaces, no underscores. Um, or on Twitter, you can find us at analysis on chain, all one word again. So Correct. they're the best place. You've got link trees in both of them, and you'll find all sorts of information about memberships, about the Discord. Um, but come in, we're really friendly. I, I do you know pro bono stuff all the time as well, where time permits. So mm -hmm. if, if anyone's got any concerns, needs any help, I'm more than happy to um to help fantastic well again really appreciate this this was this was really cool looking into uh your process and seeing uh, the output of your of your analysis cool uh, just one final thing yeah this is not perfect we're still learning yeah. every day right Absolutely. and we're now diversifying to be more specific when we're looking at a blockchain for example so it's not the finished article but it's better mm -hmm. than nothing, in my opinion so absolutely <laughs> all right well everybody thanks for tuning in and i hope this was as helpful for you as it was for me join me next week for the coin press podcast bye for now